0: You are listening to Lone Star Community Radio on 104.5 KCZW LP Conroe and 106.1 KZCC LP Conroe and worldwide on ir.lonestar.com. I want to thank our sponsor Planet Ford. Planet Ford has always been a proud supporter of law enforcement in the community, providing customer service and fleet management, sales and service. If you're looking for that personal quality service, contact Planet Ford in Spring or online at planetford.com. You're listening to Crime Scene Today, where we talk about current and future law enforcement, forensic, and crime scene investigation issues. So, this week with me, I have uh, joining me Constable Chris Jones from Precinct 5, Montgomery County. Uh, thank you for coming in, Chris.
1: Uh, uh, thank you, sir. Thanks for having us out today.
0: So, uh, we're gonna first start with talking about a little bit of the news and what's happening um, around the world here. Uh, this week, it should have been the Texas IEI, which is the crime scene conference. It should have been going on this week. Obviously, due to COVID, that was canceled. So a lot of people missed out on that. Uh, the national or international conference, uh, which was scheduled for August, also was canceled. So a lot of uh, people in the forensic community, crime scene investigations, uh, really have missed out on, on their yearly opportunities to get some uh, great Uh, education and training the latest technology stuff out there and just a a great time that we have and and sharing with our friends we've come to know over the years. But the IAI, the International Association, did announce this week, they posted that uh, in Nashville in 2021, August uh, 1st through the 7th uh, is going to be happening. So hopefully if 2021 doesn't look like 2020, uh, we should uh, still have that conference and Certainly at this point, there's no excuse whatsoever not to be able to put a presentation together, put a poster, maybe the photography contest, or or be involved in that program. You have uh, over a year to plan for that, and I hope that everybody is encouraged to get involved. It's a, a great organization and, and just a great opportunity. So talking about some things in the news and um, that have come up, obviously we still are dealing with... Uh, uh, police reform, protest, and those type of things that everybody's talking about and what, what is some solutions to problems and is the problem as big as the media is making it out to be. All these conversations are happening, um, uh, certainly among police and then probably in, in your homes and such. Uh, so President Trump signed an executive order uh, for police reform, and, and basically it talked about a federal grant uh, to just put some best practices in order for police, They did address, and we talked about last week, um, uh, they were talking about banning the chokehold and those type of things, and they addressed that in this order uh, in talking about not using the chokehold except uh, when deadly force would be authorized, which is pretty much what it's used for now. I don't know of anybody just uh, using a chokehold for any other purpose unless you're fighting for your life and, and such. We have many other things other than that. So... We also talked about defunding the police uh, and sort of what that definition is and it it seems the Mm. most common thing that we found is it's talking about uh, calls that police go to resources that are used for non-police functions and is there a better way is there something else that could be handling these to let the police do police work and you know one of the challenges that we talked about and and certainly you can speak to this in, in your area and stuff chris is We do go to mental health calls, but it's not as though there's a deputy that you have at your department that all they're doing right now is handling the homeless, mental health. I mean, it's an occasional call that that you get, right? So it's, I'm not sure how we uh, are able to quantify the amount of time or people that is needed. Sometimes you have those calls, sometimes you don't. But, um, so Albuquerque, New Mexico, is i guess uh, starting this as far as a pilot uh, their albuquerque uh, their mayor announced that uh, they are forming a new public safety department designed to uh, take the stress off of the city's police instead of police fire department responding to 911 calls related to inebriation homelessness addiction and mental health that a new division deploying unarmed personnel made up of social workers housing homelessness specialists, and uh, violence prevention coordinators will be responding. So what's your thoughts on that one? Well, uh,
1: you know, last week you were talking about when EMS, uh, fire, stuff like that, they used to show up um, all the time with, without us. Right. And they didn't need us to, to go in and take care of business. And And I can see it might start off that way, but as soon as any kind of physical or any kind of, you know, argument starts, then, then law enforcement's going to have to show up just to kind of keep right, to, the scene at peace. The naked know? man
0: walking down the street with a knife. Police or mental?
1: Yeah. That, that's, <laughs> that, you know, and so that's going to take both of us, right? You right. know, uh, But we're going to, to have uh, to make it safe um, for those other, other officials to come in.
0: Well, and it also goes to what we talked about last week is many of the times these problems are put on police because we're already out there. We're, we're in the area, something's happening, we're quick to respond. If, unless these people, like, and I'm just using Albuquerque for example, I mean, it sounds like they're, they have an idea, I'm just not sure the practicality when it gets implemented, where are they responding from? How long is it going to take them to get there? And who's going to handle the situation until they get there if the police are not responding? I mean, how long can you let a mental health crisis go on prior to someone arriving?
1: You know, could it, could it be a situation where they end up having a, a, a ride-along uh, where they're they're actually riding with law enforcement, so they show up and you let them, you let them, um, them kind of handle the situation for as for as long as they can to kind of deescalate uh, the situation. But then you you know we're we're there also just to 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 be there just in case anything was to go bad. So
0: and I know that's been tried, and I say it's been tried; it's been used. I mean, it's, yeah. it's actually been yep. active. I know Harris County did something very similar uh, to mental health. Uh, I'm not sure that, and I think it's a great idea to have both of those uh, knowledgeable people in there, one that is more knowledgeable about the mental health part of it, and one that's there in case something goes wrong, but does it address the issue of letting police not handle those calls, right? They're still they're You still
1: know, there. you're still going to have to show up, but, you know, um, Constable Cash, taking care of all uh, mental health in Montgomery County, has done a good job. Um, I believe having officers that would show up in, like, an unmarked car uh, showing up in, um, in unmarked, un, not in uniform, right. you know, where you don't have that, that presence, that, that command presence that you show up might kind of de-escalate the situation a little bit, too. Uh, but at the same time, you're, you're, you still have law enforcement showing up. So, um, you know, defunding the police, um, a lot of people think that, they mean, there's no, no, no more police but like you pointed out last week, it's more of a reallocation of, uh, of resources right. to kind of get non-law enforcement in there to help out. Um, there's going to be a lot of a lot of trials and error over the next couple of years trying to figure out how that, that, that yeah. works and that coincides with each other.
0: And I believe that. I mean, it's been a conversation <clears> you know, way before protests, way before some of the conversations are happening now. I mean, we've had conversations about just mental health, right, and yeah. the need for mental health officers or to address mental health in the community uh, that we've always said it's it's not a police problem in the sense that we're not taking them to jail, right? It's not a criminal offense. There's something that mentally, medically is going on that they need some treatment for and how to get to that point. I mean, who's handling that and how to make that, I think, more simplistic where when we've arrived on the scene that we're not spending hours on that scene versus having some type of solution to Get the officer back on the street. Get them the help they need. That that seems to be where we were heading even before this.
1: Yes, I mean we, you know, like like I mentioned earlier, Constable Cash uh, coming out any we need assistance uh, or have a situation like that, we can call them and they're in route. Um, and they might be forty five minutes away, uh, but they're going to come out and help us get through that situation. And, and they're they have their own team, their own crisis intervention team that'll come out and uh help take over a scene to get our guys back to work because that's what they're they're doing
0: so yeah and they've done a great job with it we've uh we've called them out to our scenes and mm -hmm. i think having that and we've only had that a few years here oh yeah Uh, yeah so it's it's something new that uh if you want to call us trying it out i mean it's working i don't see mm -hmm. any reason that uh not to expand that and uh you know we certainly have the calls available, we have the issues that need to be addressed, and and certainly have the people that have that training and and ability to do that. Another thing that came out in the news this week, and this is specific to Texas, um, is that we have some new training coming, it appears. Uh, So State Representative Coleman requested that T. Cole um, in new legislation uh, adds uh, training on implicit bias. Okay. So, and apparently at least from this article in the Chronicle, Houston Chronicle, it says that uh, the agency agreed that they will add that curriculum. So uh, we already have numerous mandated training that comes up. Uh, You know, the uh, Sandra Bland act created the de-escalation training. We already have uh, other uh, training dealing with uh, cultural diversity. diversity. So uh, now we will have implicit bias training. so that's, that's new that came out this week. And again, uh, that has to be uh, something legislatively and, and whatnot. So it's not like, hey, tomorrow this, this happens, but uh, it's something that they're looking at. So another, mm-hmm. another part of training that we have coming.
1: Which, you know, makes it, uh, y- y'all have, um, in Precinct 3, y'all have a, uh, your own academy. Uh, we, in Precinct 5, have our own academy. So we have our own instructors, too. So we can, we can teach that easily to our guys uh, and get out there into that mandated training. The problem lies some of these smaller agencies don't have that and they've got to travel and they've got to get that but um you know how we see it a lot that a lot of mandated training you, know, you have to do this but there's no really way to to fund it
0: and, and have to do that so you know that it is a challenge and one of the um you know i came from a larger agency going mm-hmm. to a smaller agency and um and i think it, it goes across the board it doesn't really matter the size as much is the balance between training all your people and keeping your people on the street, right? So, exactly. uh, at uh, the department I'm at, for us to do a mandated training requires at least ten classes. That you're going to have about, you know, three to four people mm-hmm. in those classes, maybe five at a time to circulate through. I mean, you could do all of them in one or two classes, but you can't do that and keep people on the street, exactly. right? So. Uh, One of the things that we've looked at, and I think it's also sort of emerging technology. It's been around for a while, but I think it's sort of emerging in law enforcement, is doing online training, especially with the mandated training, to uh, be able to teach at one time. And and some people are hesitant to use online training uh, Mm -hmm. because many times it is just someone reading a PowerPoint to them which is very boring. Yes, and, uh, not they, interactive. Not interactive. They don't get the experience from the instructor, those type of things. However, you know, in, in taking some of my college courses, one course that really stood out to me was there's a professor I had, and he recorded a video of him instructing uh it, it was not in the classroom setting. and I, I honestly to this day i think he locked himself in a broom closet somewhere with the race board but it, it was about a 10 to 15 minute video of him teaching whatever the topic was that week and of course he still had reading you had other, other stuff to do but at least hearing from him i knew the highlights i knew what was important i knew what stood out it was that personal connection even though it was a video right yes. it wasn't just someone reading there so there's many options um, you know, in instructional design to put these things in place. And once you have them in place, and we've done a couple of these um, at uh, Precinct 3 to get that information out, you know, where at this point they can be in the patrol office, it can be midnight, it can be 1 a.m., but it's, it's not tying up the instructor. It's mm-hmm. been done. Also, it, you're sure that everyone's received the same training right? I mean, how many times does instructor in the second class, third class, oh, I forgot to tell y'all. Yes. Or, uh, you know, I, I I meant to tell y'all this and, and,
1: you know, it changes because, I mean, as an instructor, uh, you're an instructor too. As you keep going, um, you always think about something that you should have said or, or, or should have, should have taught in in the last class. So yeah, having that, you know, I might take a couple of takes uh, to get it all in there, but once it's in there, you can pass that on to just about anybody, and you can share it with outside agencies
0: also, which allows. Yeah, it's, you know, like the professor I was talking about, I have no doubt he did not record this video for my class. This mm-hmm. video that he used, he probably had been using for years. for years, right? Yeah. But it was still, you know, uh, material. It was still the same information that we needed, mm-hmm. you know. So, uh, again, it's a little time and effort up front, but I think the the benefits probably pay off, and, and we've seen that going. We've seen... Uh, some new technologies emerging, and we we may even do a whole show on some of the new technologies, such as uh, VR and augmented reality, where you're literally walking in a room where things aren't there, but you see a crime scene. You mm-hmm. see different things to work and stuff. So I know that people have tested that. They're working on it. I see that as, like, the next step in the future in, in training law enforcement. Uh, and just a side note, if anybody hears a bunch of banging and moving and stuff, yeah. they're, they're doing construction over here at the radio station. Or not at the radio station, but next to it so um that's what any of those whirling sounds and things are uh, next to us so mm-hmm. so constable let's let's talk a little bit about uh, your area i know you and i both grew up in that area mm-hmm. um, so in uh, your i guess your main city would be magnolia for for precinct five um, i know uh, when i went to school there there was a graduating class of, i think we had 180. Uh, right. yep. now there's two high schools there so it's definitely grown as far as a community. Uh, I think there were two restaurants when we had the Bulldog uh, Burger Pit. Yep. And uh, Pappy's
1: Pizza. Yeah,
0: something so, uh, like that. But a huge community now, right? So, yes. uh, so what is? Uh, so in the past it was more rural, right? You had a two lane road. And many people only knew about getting to the Renaissance Festival. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so what? I mean, you still have a lot of rural area. We in, did. In, in, in your precinct, but um, you also have a lot of commercial stuff now. Um, so what what do you think, and this is something we talked about on the, uh, the Dick and Skippy show. It's a show here on Lone Star Radio. They do uh, three times uh, during the week. It's their daily show, and uh, they had me on to talk about some stuff. And one of the things we talked about with the constables is a unique thing with the constables is that I think it's the ultimate community policing because you have a precinct you get to identify in that precinct what you feel are some problems that need to be addressed and really focus some resources whereas in a larger countywide such as the sheriff's department um, and certainly they still have districts they can focus on stuff Mm -hmm. but you can actually work your whole department and have specialized units or different things that you need to address problems so um, I guess uh, to a point to cover you know you you getting to where you you are right now. Uh, you took over, when did you take over for uh, precinct 5? I took over in October of 2018, October so 1st. October in 2018, the mm-hmm. current constable retired, mm-hmm. uh, David Hill, and he had been there uh, for how long? 36 years. 36 at years.
1: At that time, and, but he was actually 13, 13 years, a little over 13 years, in, um, as a DPS officer in
0: Magnolia area also. So. Yeah, I know I tell the story that he used to come to uh, the junior high when I was there. He doesn't like me telling that story. Yeah, I, I know. know he it. shows his age. But uh, <clears throat> he'd been around for a long time. And I actually, my first job, my first law enforcement job, uh, was at his office as a reserve. Mm-hmm. At that time, it was uh, Monday through Friday. Uh, they served warrants. They served civil process. And uh, they uh, closed at 10 o'clock. Uh, and only a couple people were out in the evening time. Uh, yeah. And on occasion you you'd back up sheriff's farm, but your your main purpose was during the day to go serve civil process of warrants. And I believe that continued for many, many years. that, that
1: continued actually, um, there might have been some variation of times and stuff like that in there uh, with attempts on different, you know we ran a lot of traffic. But uh, we backed up the sheriff's department. But our main goal, and everybody in the in the department, if you weren't assigned to the school district, which we'll talk about here in a little bit, uh, was civil. So everybody had their civil papers, they had their warrants to take care of. Uh, bailiff to court, like we have to. Uh, but yes, uh, we were Monday through Friday. And uh, a lot of the times, if the courts weren't open, we weren't open. Um, so it, it kind of went that way up until 2016 um when i when i took over as chief deputy
0: you know and it, it's been a change in montgomery county i know um uh with um constable precinct three ryan gable he mm-hmm. came from harris county and harris county is a whole different animal uh, you have constable agencies there that are 600-man departments yep. that uh, uh handle um uh, every function the uh, the sheriff's department didn't even involved in most of North Harris County because you have the largest constable agency of the Texas there. But so that idea already sort of came up here, started growing into mm-hmm. taking care of, of the community in a different way than just civil process, because as we talked about on um, the Dick and Skippy show, as far as the, the difference, because we always get asked all the time, right? What's, what's the difference between constable and sheriff and state legislature or state constitution? says that constable serves civil process, bailiff the JP courts, and that the sheriff will take care of the jail. Now beyond that, we're all law enforcement. Beyond that, you you, uh, can uh, do your law enforcement functions, right? So uh, in taking over, and obviously you're chief, you had some influence uh, from 2016 to before you took over. Mm -hmm. And when you took over, uh, David Hill had retired and obviously made the recommendation to the court to appoint you for the rest of his term, uh, which they did. So what, I guess, uh, was your, your first – I mean, you're already there. You're the chief. You're sort of running it. So mm-hmm. I, I don't imagine that there was, like, massive changes uh, that came on board. But what did you see some things that you really wanted to enhance about the department? Well, I- even beginning in 2016, um, in
1: watching Precinct 3, uh, Gable, and Precinct 4 uh, with Rowdy, Rowdy Hayden over there, um, I knew that we needed to do more. And, and what I really wanted was to start extending our hours out and to, to start being a little bit more proactive in what we do. Uh, a lot of traffic, uh, a lot of narcotics, uh, DWIs, stuff like that. Um, we still, you know, the, the major crimes, that when you call 911 and you want somebody to show up, it's, it's going to be the um, it's gonna be a sheriff's department that shows up out in our area right now. Now, that's not saying we're not going to be there to assist them in any way we can to back them up, but we don't have the investigators right now to kind of follow up on, on, on crimes and stuff like that. So we do a lot of proactive policing, and, and that's what I really wanted to, to focus on. Um, I don't want to compete in, in with, the, with the sheriff's department in calls and trying to jump calls and, and trying to, to do all that. They, they have their function. We have our function, and I think we work good together out, um, out in our area. Um, that was the main thing I wanted to do, um, you've worked in constable's offices um and you know a lot of people say well i'm gonna you know you you got your papers for a couple a couple hours you're gonna serve those and then you're gonna go out and do something and, and a lot of times it's hard to switch those gears in between right and um it's hard to take a, a seasoned officer who's been there 20 years and, and turn them into a, a a you know somebody who wants to run a lot of traffic and get out there and search a lot of cars and do all that so at that point, we were able to, to kind of split it up. In, in 2016, when I took over, I kind of split it up into to two different um, divisions there. So I had a civil division that took care of all the papers and took care of anything that's civil, anything that come out of the courts, warrants, all that stuff, bailiff in the court and did all that stuff. So we could focus a little bit on a patrol division. In our patrol division, like I said, we're out doing a lot of proactive traffic uh, control, uh, a lot of narcotics, uh, DWIs out in the area. Um, so that's what I really wanted to do uh, when I took over, um, when I took over as chief. So when I took over as constable and got sworn in by the, uh, by the court uh, on October 1st, 2018, we just continued that. And uh, so our main goal was to, to extend our hours and, and become a little bit more proactive and be out there. Um, you know, the, the sheriff's department, they are, they're busy um, sure. with our growth, uh, with their growth. Uh, you know, it, it's hard to keep up with everything. So they're they're going from call to call to call, and they do a great job at it. And, um, and we're out there to help them as much as we can. But I saw some areas that needed to be taken care of on, on a street level. So and that's you, what
0: I wanted to do. You were uh, appointed, but since then, we just had the primary. Mm-hmm. Uh, you won your primary, so you are now the elected. You're not appointed. You yep. are the elected constable yeah. uh, uh, for Precinct 5. You don't have any uh competitors in November general election so that no is it you are you are it for uh the next four and a half years to to run the agency and to guide that community so as you said you noticed some things that needed to be addressed and and I've noticed and just watching your team and stuff they they've certainly in, enhanced uh, their traffic ability i always mm-hmm. see them out there they're working their traffic and and such, and I would have to say, and in, in mainly watching as far as y'all social media feed and stuff, that y'all are very big into traffic stops and narcotics. So, is that a, an area that you you felt needed to be addressed, community? Is it just what, how did you come about the, sort of I, focusing on that? I, so we've always ran traffic, uh, but we you know we have
1: um, we have a contract with schools, so we, we get a lot of a lot of information in those schools about what's going on. Um, and we just kind of felt like that nobody was targeting that street level uh, as best we could. Um, so I thought that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to go out there and try to take um, some of the meth off the streets um, and, and target certain areas that you know is high crime areas. Um, if we could do that, then we can, we can kind of call down a little bit of the, the thefts, the burglaries and stuff like that also. So, Right, and it, it's, it's something cool. that
0: a lot of people don't think about that aren't in law enforcement that don't consider is that when they hear about us arresting drugs, they they think that it's it's just the drugs, right? Mm-hmm. The drugs are connected to so many other crimes exactly. in our community uh, of thefts, of robberies, of burglaries, um, you know, many people that do drugs, it may be a big surprise to some, but they, they don't have jobs. They uh, need to find the money to pay for the drugs in some way or steal the drugs and stuff, and and that leads to your robberies, leads to your thefts, that most crimes that we find, there's some type of connection back to the drug world in some way, Yes. right? So what, what would you say is a, uh, a problem drug in your area? One that we've seen more recently, I was actually pretty surprised with, we've seen uh, ecstasy showing up again.
1: We've had some complaints about ecstasy uh, showing up. We, we still, uh, we, we, have, we have arrested a lot for meth, Sure, um, and I think that was that was coming on, but we've seen some more heroin come out, also. Um, but the ecstasy is, is definitely on the rise. Pills, uh, you know, prescription, prescription pills. pills, stuff like that. Um, you know, it's something that we see a lot. And you know, a lot of people think about THC and THC oils and stuff like that. Right. And there's a lot of big debate on legalizing all this stuff. But it's it's some powerful stuff when you start melting down all that. And
0: then, yeah, and and normally, I mean, we, you know, we can talk about legalization of marijuana and those type of things, but it's it's actually somewhat rare that that's all we find. Exactly. Right? I mean, we'll we'll find some marijuana, but it's then we find the meth, we yes. find the ecstasy, we find the Xanax, we, we find the. We hydrogen usually oil. find something with it. So, you know, um, and it, it, we also find guns with it. We find stolen property with it. It's you know, um, not dismissing that you know that there are some people that they. Uh, have recreational marijuana that they, uh, for like the term, use it like alcohol, and mm-hmm. it never leaves their house. Where, And honestly, we never know anything about those people. Um, and obviously, I guess they can function fine and, and work or whatever, but the element we normally deal with uh, are the ones that are mixing it with uh, guns and criminal offenses and, and other problems like that. So one of the things you had mentioned on... Uh, your your web page that you're very proud of and, and I certainly understand is you were involved in the Internet crimes against children as an investigator for a while. Yes. So and currently you said that your department doesn't have detectives, but it's obviously not for a lack of knowledge that you don't know how to have investigators. And, and I'll talk
1: that, I'll talk I'll take that back because we do have an ICAC investigator still. Yeah, NDLR so, involvement. In yes, right. uh, but that's more of a proactive uh, form. What I meant by the, by not having the detectives is the ones that we take a report
0: and then somebody follows up on right, right, that stuff like that. And I
1: can see that coming in in the future. We're just right. not there. And what I
0: was getting at is, is not you didn't have you, you yep. do with ICAC, but that uh, you have the knowledge to do it. You yep. have the knowledge to certainly put people. Uh, right now, it's just the resources mm-hmm. that, that you need to do it. So uh, you had spoke about uh, in ICAC, I guess. Uh, web page. I guess one of your cases that uh, maybe it was your first one. I don't know yeah. as far as uh, that you had had a live live victim on your first case. Had so, a live victim. So tell me a little bit about that case. How did you? This was your first case. This is my first case okay. uh, in um,
1: uh, in ICAC. Um, I believe it was 2014 uh, that that I started in ICAC, and um, I remember uh, we you know they we were doing investigations on child pornography and uh, downloads and stuff like that. So um we had we we identified a, a subject that was downloading child pornography at his house um got a search warrant and went out there and i remember it was it was it was november 1st because um we do our search warrants early and right. um i had to go to bed early it was it was october it was uh halloween. halloween and i had kids and had to get all that taken care of so i could get up the next day but uh it was my first search warrant and uh went in there and you know, um, ICAC is a, is a team, and, and it's kind of run out of, out of the DA's office. Right. Um, but we all have, um, all the constables have somebody that, yeah. are, uh, that are assigned to it. And I know you all have a couple people that are assigned right. to the ICAC division. So, you know, everybody comes out, and we, we all tackle these these things together. So that way, we're not having to take a lot of manpower off the street to serve these warrants and do all right. that stuff. We kind of back each other up. So, I mean, I had a lot of great help at the time. Um and we served that warrant and we started finding just video after video of a video and it it came out and had videos of him with his daughter at the time wow. and and that was something that we didn't I wasn't expecting I was you didn't expecting know going it. in no, this wasn't what you no, were this is not what we were going in for and we ended up so not only was he was he downloading it but he was producing it and and uh, and distributing it uh, also so um I was, I was proud to find out that, that he actually pled um, to uh, two life sentences uh, for that case. So no trial, no nothing. Uh, it, was, it was
0: a good, solid case that we had built. and um, yeah, Which actually goes uh, to say something. You have people, and people ask us, so why would they plead to life, right? And why would you even plead to two life sentences? I mean, what, what's your other, I mean, if I, I either, that's what I'm going to get if I go to court, which tells you, how much information they don't want out right they do not exactly. want this in court they don't they don't want the details the details that would come out in court uh, mm-hmm. and the graphic details where they they're willing to go to prison for the rest of life than to actually hear that story they publicly actually didn't do that
1: and what he what he had said was he didn't want to put his family
0: through sure. that
1: but um, but it, it happens a lot that that they don't they just want to plea you know they just want it to go away and not make a big spectacle out of it um, because...
0: Well, and that's always the big goal of, of ICAC to begin with, and that is to, you know, and, and there's somewhat of, I say, argument uh, in, in the community as far as Internet crimes is that when when detectives are posing as 13-year-olds and whatever, well, yeah. there wasn't a real child that they were meeting, right? It was always a detective. Well, the goal behind it is that if they could have, it would have been a 13-year-old. It would have been an 11-year-old. Yeah. And, and many times, just as you're talking about, what we find is after we find this person that has that sexual preference for children, the pedophile, then when we dig deeper on their phones, search warrants for houses, we find that there are actual victims. Yes. And we are actually finding those victims, and, and we charge those crimes as well, but it's getting them off the street uh, before uh, a child actually uh, is hurt, and hopefully uh, get them out of that situation.
1: Yes, and you know, and ICAC is a, is a federally funded um, uh, through the through the feds. So they, we're they're all over. I think there's 63 different divisions across the United States that communicate with each other to be able to share that information. Because you might find a victim, and it's not even in your area. That victim might be somewhere else uh, in the United States, and we can we can share that that information through NICMIC, uh, National Center of Miss and Exporting Children. Right. And
0: and what um, one of the purposes of, of NICMIC is having the uh, the database, right? The database. They, they have so a they database that identifies so if you if you have a child such as the case you had, yes. you identified and mm-hmm. and uh, we're just we're just gonna call it, you know, this uh, individual A, mm-hmm. right? Your your uh, his daughter. Well, now they have the photos, they have the videos of individual A. So when someone, and it's not just national, if it's someone in in Germany, in England, trades individual A's photo or Mm -hmm. video, they can contact NECMIC and they say, no, this is a real child. Their name is this. Mm -hmm. Uh, The detective is chris jones you can reach out he has this information and so yeah it's it's a big network of law enforcement around the globe uh but it does feed through through necmic and just a great resource for for icac and they also put out the cyber tips yes whenever there's a company that uh sees something being traded then that's who they send notification they give them to us yes So. so
1: it was i tell you what in 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 23 years of law enforcement it's probably the I was there for about two and a half years in that division uh, and I think it's still one of the most fulfilling parts of my career just to do that because uh, we, we did pose, uh, we did a lot of chatting um, and, and took a lot, of, a lot of people off the streets that were, they were just there to, to hurt kids uh,
0: well, and, and I, to victimize them. I so. think just about uh, uh, most cops I know, you know, uh, uh, children always are a soft place in our heart mm-hmm. because someone else is not out there protecting them especially in these cases, uh, many times that uh, their parents or someone who is supposed to be guarding them and whatever. So yep. uh, it, it's always a big reward to us to step in and, and save that child and, and give them an opportunity at a life that obviously they were not going to have uh, otherwise. Exactly. So, you know, speaking of, of influence on children. Okay, yes. So uh, one of... Uh, Well, your largest contract, and the second largest in Montgomery County, is you have a contract with Magnolia ISD schools to be their police department. Uh, There's other police departments such as uh, ISDs that have their own police department, their own chief work, but Magnolia ISD has contracted with Precinct 5 Constable Office, so that's y'all's role there. Uh, So you have 18? I have 18. So sort of the breakup, obviously, it, it seems pretty standard. They always have one at the high school. They have two at each high school and then one on every other campus. So, and we're, we're, we're probably, uh,
1: we're the largest one that I know of, the largest school district I know of that has a deputy on every campus. And when I say every campus, I mean from elementaries all the way up. There's a full-time deputy on there on location when uh when yeah that is, that is unique because yeah. i know
0: uh many of them they as i said before they'll have one at the high school yeah but then they start rotating either at the elementary someone's driving around or they're they're doing something yeah and there's the a schools. lot of
1: people that, that have like three they'll cover like three or four elementaries and stuff like right. that but uh this was in, in kind of in response to the um, santa fe uh shooting that uh magnolia isd came to us and said listen you know we we've looked at different things um you know, metal detectors, you know, all these different different ways. And, uh, but they, they came with the, the realization that having uh, having an officer on there was probably the best deterrent and and uh, the quickest way to, to remedy a situation if, if something was to come up. So uh, they came to me and said, hey, you know, we, this is what we want to do. And they came to me in May of, uh, I believe, 2018 um, and said, you know, we need to have these people up and ready to go by august so, right. so you, know, I, you know i had we had august. eight already we've and had a, so we've, we've had a contract 10. with the school since 96 or 98 uh, at one point we shared the contract with magnolia pd they took care of everything inside the city and we took care of everything outside the city um but so we've had the contract for a long time it's always been a great working relationship so uh, when it came to us we're like you know i don't you know How are we going to hire 10 people and get them all trained up in the next? And we never even had to advertise for it. Uh, it went out word of mouth that we were doing what we were doing and what we wanted and what we were looking for. And uh, I never even had to, to post the, the positions or do anything like that. I had people showing up. Saying, "Hey, I'm retired from Harris County, or, or I'm going to retire from Harris County, or I, I'm going to leave this agency and, and come over here." Something they were looking so, for. So. Something they were looking for. Which is awesome. And, um, you know, it, it's a, it's a, it's something that not everybody can do it. You don't, you don't want to just have somebody. Uh, you don't want to take any any uh, street officer off the street and put them into a school because. It's a different different yeah. function you know you know uh, you've seen you've seen what I'm talking about. Uh, there are some officers that are made for the streets, some
0: that are made for the schools and um, you know some that can do both but um, so in, in talking about some of the uh, we'll say punishments right so schools have changed massively since mm-hmm. you and I were there yeah. okay um, you know one memory of going certainly to Magnolia ISD. Uh, I have no doubt he was there when you were there, with Coach McGinney. Oh yeah. Okay. He he didn't have an engineering degree, but I promise he he used some type of engineering in developing the paddles and took much time to do so. Yes. Uh, back then, so that was you know that's back when you had the forms of you can beat my child or you can't beat my. They don't have those. do they still have those forms? Uh, they're coming back
1: actually. <laughs> uh, I've seen some coming back, but, uh, but I don't know
0: of a parent. That, that Back when we were in like, school,
1: that ever did not yeah. just sign, "Hey, yeah, yeah, you go yeah. ahead, and take care of business." So.
0: so, but so that transferred to uh, from the school sort of taking care of discipline, uh, and and obviously we are talking about corporal punishment. But there's also other discipline. You had after school, you had detention, you had mm-hmm. those things. But then it went to it seemed to shift hands. It seemed to shift from the schools to involving law enforcement in. You know, disruption in the classroom, disruption on transportation, and these type of things, and and that sort of led into officers uh, as a class misdemeanor issuing citations, yes, which ended up in a, a financial burden, uh, usually to the parent. It really didn't affect the child in any way, um, and so there was conversations on that. And since that, uh, the citations have been removed. Yes, right. So. So at this point what do we have and I guess I guess for labor turn so obviously there's there's a deterrent of y'all being in the school and hopefully we never have uh the horrible things that have happened in other schools and whatnot just by that deterrent but obviously y'all are there for Mm -hmm. a full shift so what is expected of a school resource officer of being in the school uh, during what what's the expectation of that officer doing every day Well, the
1: expectation of every officer from elementary all the way up to high school is is the safety and security of everybody on that campus. So, um, you know, we have campuses with close to 2,000 students on them, right? Um, So so they're there for the safety and security of everybody on that campus. So not not only the students, but the faculty, uh, the teachers, anybody visiting that day, every, that school, I mean, we're there as that presence uh, in law enforcement. You know, there are cities out there that don't have two thousand people. You right. uh, know. You know. So, so some of our schools are, are, are big, and there's a lot of things that go on inside those schools. But first and foremost is the safety and security of everybody there. So, it, you're right. We we went back when we started twenty years ago or so. When I started, uh, I started off in the school district, and it was you know. And there was a pretty clear define, um, you know, as you know, administrators took care of this, and, and then we'll call you in, law enforcement, it. if it gets to that point. And it's somewhere along the way, it got to a. Um, I think they were using law enforcement on well, stuff that they probably should have should have been kind of used. It. Yeah, they should. They probably should have done it and and we should have been and i think we've seen that in law enforcement as a whole um that that sometimes now we're taking care of stuff that 20 years ago we didn't take care of right that it was somebody so it happened in the school too and i think that's why when you know you have got to make your administrators happy, right? Um, if not, you know, just like in any contract, if you if you're not making them happy. But there's a fine line in there because we've got to do our jobs too. Right. We and have and we have, have a duty have, to
0: do our jobs, and you have legal restrictions as to what you can do and can't do. Right? Exactly.
1: So, um, so it, it took some some educating on uh, on administrators and officers of so what we could not you know, do. We're not dress we're not addressing dress code. And right. all that stuff out there, and you know and, and we we laugh and we talk about it, but some of them officers would do that and, and you know, they would take that that you know you're breaking a rule whether it's a rule or a law, you know, and we don't enforce rules, we enforce right. laws, so it took a lot of training on both sides to get that that equal balance but um you know one one thing about our school district they've always kind of said that hey you know, um, the superintendents, they, they've got a big job, right? They take care of all the campuses. They do sure, all that stuff. Right. They, and uh, they don't want to be law enforcement officers either. So that's why they contract out to us. They're like, that's one thing that y'all can take care of and we can stay separate so that we're, you know, hey, we can't do that. Or, hey, it's you've got to step aside. It's, it's time for us to step in, you know. And you've got to be able to have that good relationship with administrators, uh, with your school district to be able to say, hey, at, 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 at a certain point, it's it's no longer a discipline problem. It's a legal problem, and, and at that point, we take over, but until it reaches that point, it's on you. So,
0: so what would you say, uh, and I would expect it probably more at the high school level because that's just, uh, I, I guess I would hope at the high school level, that's where you're dealing with more of what would be a criminal well, act. Yeah. Uh, what would you say would be, the more common things that y'all have to address would it be assaults would be drugs it's assaults
1: Uh, you know we no longer write class C's for fighting or anything like that Uh, used to be if you you got into a fight you know you got three-day suspension and and a citation and um, that's something that's kind of went back to a a fight that that it's a class C they don't they don't want us enforcing that in the schools so um, but but we, we do have a lot of assaults um, we have narcotics. I and mean, there's, sure. there's drugs in there, just yeah, just like there's in in every school,
0: right? Yeah, it's uh, not not uncommon.
1: Exactly, but. exactly. So, um, how how uh, low know, does I
0: mean do you do you see drugs at elementary?
1: We have in my 20 years, we have, but not not very often. I, I wouldn't expect. Now, I mean, I've, it's I've, usually they they brought the wrong bag to school or something right. like mm-hmm. that, and and there mom was mom dad's bag. It. Yes, and, right. yeah, um, so. Something like that, but um, you know, when I get I get the question a lot of times when I'm out talking to the community about about 18 about having 18 deputies inside the school district because I, that's a that's a big thing for me. It's a big sure. thing for the community. Right. I really I really believe that. I, I believe that Magnolia ST stepped up and kind of started setting that precedent. And you've seen a lot of the schools in Montgomery area Montgomery County area that are growing their police forces now, uh, and it's not because they're bad kids. It's because we we have to protect our kids and, and everybody on that campus. Uh, like I said, there you can um, we got two thousand kids on a campus or two thousand students, a right. hundred or so uh, teachers and faculty on there. I mean, you have that, a small that's, town, that's yes. Sure. That we have to we have to secure it, and um, even the, even some of our elementaries
0: have eight nine hundred people in them. Uh, and then other kids, and then you got the faculty and everything like that. Well, so, and and we're talking in, in very general of of school, but there's a lot of functions to that school. Meaning that you have the normal uh, seven to three in the afternoon school happening, yeah. right? But then you have band after school, and you have your football games, and your track, and your sports, and and all that that y'all are also
1: involved yeah. in. We're we're involved in those too. We have to be there uh, anytime there's 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 students on that campus. We're usually there. Um, so, um, you know, when they have their games and stuff like that, we, you know, we get, get crowds from all over, uh, the area coming to watch a football game. So, you know, now you've got six, eight, 9,000 people in a, in a confined area, uh, with some sporting events going on and, and parents right. getting involved and stuff like that. So there's, there's, there's some friction. These, yes. These, the game. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, we, you know, we have to be there for that. So, um. So how has been good?
0: Well, as far as um, people in the schools, I mean, obviously, we had a very long spring break. Oh yeah. (laughs) uh, Yeah. Between COVID and stuff, so um, it looks like I mean, I know they're still in talks and stuff. It looks like we're we're going back. Mm -hmm. I know they're starting to put calendars out. Uh, I'm not even sure they still know what it's going to look like but uh, what's some insight on you? How's that looking for your officers? Well, well, Magnolia ISD has their calendar out, and that's what we have to
1: go by right now. So it usually starts at the beginning of August. Uh, we do a lot of training uh, before that. Uh, we do a lot of active, shoot, active shooter training, uh, you know, before the, before the school year just in case anything was to happen, unfortunate right. incidents. So um, they have their schedule out, and that's what we're going off of right now. Uh, but I, I do want to tell you one thing about that I think has been one of the best things about our school resource officers and our school contract is uh, the elementary schools. So you, I mean they're they're like they're like you know father figures in there and stuff like that. So you 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 have some kids that come to school and they might not have a role model, you know, or somebody like that, and they come in there and they eat lunch with these officers. And they, uh, they interact with these officers. And, and I get so many compliments on the elementary schools more than anything else. When you pull up to an elementary school in Magnolia ISD, you're going to have an officer there uh, greeting all the kids, going to get out of school. And when they get out of the cars, talking to people, and everything like that, and it gives the parents a big sense of relief that that officer's there. But even more, I'm anxious to see over the next ten, twelve, fifteen years with officers in the elementary schools in every school that these kids go to as more of a positive influence on them than just seeing them if they show up at their house
0: or in some kind of. No, I totally action. agree. And, and actually, I, I was going to talk to you about yeah. that as far as because you know, uh, speaking sort of uh, you know full circle of the relationship issues that we're dealing with uh, right now of the. Uh, ideas of police and as far as the perceptions of police and those type of things. And um, uh, my wife, as I told you earlier, was, Mm -hmm. you know, a teacher at school and, and she had made the comment, she's seen two types of officers in the school and she saw one that leaned against the wall, like they didn't want to be there. And then she saw another one that knew the kids' names that interacted with the kids. When the kids had problems, they came up to this officer uh, they knew them in the community and so it built that relationship and and so there's a great opportunity that, that certainly we have with having police in the school to build those relationships at such early age and, and I know you talk about elementary mm-hmm. but it's happening at the junior high it's happening, it's happening. at the high school you know they there because there's accessibility and if they believe that there's that relationship and ability to have those conversations that that person who normally would not have access to a police officer is able to have that conversation. Hey, you know, maybe it's about social media. Maybe it's about someone at home treating them bad. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's some situation that someone's asked them to get into, or, you know, or maybe it's just because they need someone else to tell them, Hey, you're doing good in school. Cause no one at home does. Yeah. You know, yeah,
1: we, we, you know, we talk about community policing and we're out in the communities and we're doing that. But some of these kids, the only time they see law enforcement is when we show up to their house
0: Right, for a problem. Uh, in a
1: negative way for a problem so to them to have an officer in that school that that'll talk to them eat lunch with them say hi to them and do those things I think that's the ultimate in, in community policing right there um, because we're you know we're reaching them young and, and we're I think we're showing them that, that we're not all bad you know if we show up somewhere cause we've always been we've all been sitting in a restaurant and somebody comes up and says you, oh, know, yeah. if you I know it's if, coming. If, you, <laughs> if you act up, You know, he's going to take you to jail. Right. And so, you know, even a lot of times they're joking or whatever like that, but the kid sometimes don't know that. The kid
0: sees it as authority, like you're you're going to punish me if I do something wrong.
1: It's good when we go to to places and we go to restaurants and stuff like that and the kids walk up and they talk to these school resource officers or, hey, how are you doing? And it's not just elementary. It's all the way up. Right. And that's that's something that that you get to know. I talk to kids now that when I worked in the schools – you know, now they're parents and, and stuff like that, but they remember me when I worked in the high schools. Um, so, I mean, it, it's something that that's, uh, when you want to get out in the community, it's, it's the best way to get out in the community is
0: get with those kids. So. You know, and it's one of the community builders. Uh, by all means, I think it's one of the best because the future of what's coming up in your community. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know you have other things that your department does for community as yeah. far as getting to know you and your officers. Uh, you all do the coffee with cops on occasion. We You've, um this year you did a CPA a citizens Police Academy we did we did For last
1: year. year we were supposed to do it um, in in March of this year so it started in March of this year and then with covid we had we had to cancel it right. so so that's another, but that's coming up the program uh, be coming you have. up again yeah you know and, and we had our first one last year uh, the, the citizens uh, Academy and um, we had about 20 people uh, that came through it and we, we got nothing but but great reviews on it um, so now you have those ambassadors out there that are kind of talking about what the constables office do because we always get that same question: What do constables do? You know, either I'm right. from out of state or I'm from a from a, a smaller county that might have one constable that they've never met before or something like that. So uh, it's good to have those people out there uh, that are talking for you. And that know what you do on a daily basis
0: so now you're are you planning your next cpa uh same time like march next year you yeah try probably
1: march one? next year i don't we know uh, i think i'm going to hold off this year there's a lot of people that are uh yeah, we're that are busy getting back to work it's still kind of a still uh, unsure situation it, we got it cases is. going up and down yep and, so you know,
0: best advice we get when people tell us is you, you do what makes you feel safe
1: it's exactly yeah. right yeah uh,
0: we, we've heard all the all the advice, you know, wash your hands, keep your distance, and uh, you know, uh, take care of your family. If you, they need know to, what to do. They just you know, got to do it. So, so hopefully uh, we can do that and get the get the numbers down and get back to as normal, whether it's the new normal or or whatever. But uh, you know, Constable, I think you've been doing a, a great job out there and, and growing, and I, I can't wait to see what comes up next for you. Um, you know, we did have a comment earlier of someone who had some concerns in in uh your area uh if someone has any concern in, in your area with the uh, department or otherwise uh how would they contact you or reach you I know that you're, you're open to any conversation but
1: Yeah, we're open to any conversation right now, you know, we're kind of limited office access to um but you can call anytime uh, our number's it's 281 6493 Uh you can call, you can talk to me. Um you can talk to anybody you want to in that department about it and uh I've always been out in the community. Uh, I'm open to uh, to talk to anybody about anything that's going on. Um, you know, a lot of the times we, we see people that are that are upset, and it's usually, and a lot of times it's a uh, it's a misunderstanding in some certain way. So, opening up that dialogue and to be able to talk to people is sometimes the best avenue.
0: I agree. So, that, um, so hopefully, if anyone has uh, any concerns, or if they uh, they want to tell the constable officer doing a good job, or there's some officer that really stood out. They love to hear that too. And, and by all means, on the flip side, if someone is out there that uh, uh, you feel uh, that you had a bad experience, I promise you that the constable is the main person who wants to know about that to, to uh, address that issue. Um, so as we wrap up, uh, we certainly look for any topics that you would like to discuss on the show. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, if you'd like to sponsor the show, you can reach out to me at dan at crimescenetoday.com. And we look forward to next week and having future guests. And Chris, thank you so much for coming out. We just appreciate the insight of what you're doing there and we just wish you the best of luck with your department.
1: I appreciate it. Thank you for having me out.